You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Locked On ACC. Listen, with amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Joining me today, Tyler Aki of Locked On Syracuse. We've got some good things to go over all week. We have been getting excited for football to begin, and we can't do it without the leaders. So we're going to talk about the coaches, where they rank, got our top five picks. We've got some at the bottom that we maybe discussed and then some Alliance conversation, getting thoughts from Tyler, as well as, you know, you heard from yesterday's episode, AJ Black giving his three cents on that. So we'll have all of that rolling today. Tyler, thank you so much for joining me. We missed you last week. We hope you had a great vacation and all that good stuff. I was actually in uh, the great state of North Carolina. I was getting my, my ACC fix in a little before we get into some football season stuff. So, uh, Really excited because yeah. we keep getting closer. You know, it's close when you're talking coaches, right? right? Because the players have kind of been fleshed out. Now you get into the leaders of everything. So I'm excited for today. A hundred percent. And, you know, when it comes to leadership, we all know that there are some top, there's definitely some middle tier and certainly some bottom ones. And just for funsies, I would love to know, just starting out, just switching up the show a little bit. Who is the person who sits at the bottom for you? So at the bottom right now for me, and it's really to no fault of his own, but it's <laughs> Jeff Collins from, from Georgia okay. Tech, obviously one of the newer coaches to the conference. And I mean, talk about one of the hardest jobs. He came in and basically had to overhaul an identity. Mm-hmm. He's taken a power five job, an ACC job, but it's a team that ran the triple option, recruited to to run the triple option and now you're you're going in there and, and adapting to the 20 not even the 21st century you're adapting <laughs> to 20th century offense with Jeff Collins when you're going in there and now he's of course uh putting t- a, together a little something there but right now he's number 14 or he's re- it's really no fault of his own um but uh, it, it's one of those things where I I still need to see it out of him he's young I think he can get there but right now he's number 14 on my list yeah, well, two points to that youth conversation. We had a debate on Tuesday because J.J. Jackson said that Coach Halfley was young and hadn't won enough to be really in the conversation. And, of course, with A.J. being on the next day from Lockdown Boston College, he had so many thoughts. He was like, he really had nothing to work with. And I would love to know, just do you think Coach Collins hasn't had much to work with, but now maybe the tide is turning that he has more of his players and, you know, Jeff Sims is looking to have a great year, Jameer Gibbs. As well, maybe the shift will change for Georgia Tech, and we all know the Coastal is anybody's game. I think that, you know my feelings on Jeff Sims. I love him. I love his potential. And that's something that can ultimately catapult Collins up. And I think we even saw it a little bit last year. The turnovers were rampant early on for Jeff Sims, but once things started getting going and he was a little more comfortable as a, a quarterback for Georgia Tech, you saw things get a little bit better for him turnover wise. And I think part of that is coaching, yeah. coaching him to not make some of the mistakes that he made earlier in the season. So if you see Georgia Tech go out there and maybe surprise some people, pick up a big win here or there, um, maybe they can go out there and, and, and win 
six games and get to a bowl game, then you'll see Collins' name rise probably to the middle tier of this list heading into next season. A hundred percent. And honestly, I figured you were going to put Babers there, but I, I maybe you just feel like I just can't do it. I, I refuse to be that guy, but I would have I would have been so like, OK, I get it if you had done so. I think it's tough to put a guy last when he's got a 10 win season in the conference mm-hmm. and probably has the hardest recruiting job of anyone in the conference. Yeah. When I made my list, I, I did factor in recruiting. I think a lot of people maybe just did it strictly off of X's and O's. Mm-hmm. I have a fair amount of recruiting in the, on this list and, and not just that, but how you overcome some of your recruiting deficiencies and, and some of the things that you can't control. So I have Dino Babers 13th on my list. So it's not like he got a huge bump. Uh, I don't think he's the worst in the conference, but I, I, by far do not think he is anywhere sniffing the top 10 right now. A hundred percent. And anybody who beats Clemson definitely can get one notch above being dead last. So that's, that's maybe what kind of beat him out with coach Collins. Who knows? Right. Cool. But we've got top five to go over and I would love to Hold hear on, you cut out right there. Can you hear me again? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I got you now. Yep. Okay, cool. So here we go. I definitely feel like I understand completely when it comes to Coach Babers, but we'd love to know your top five picks. And starting with number five, let me know who you feel like is making the moves up in the coaching rankings for the ACC. All right. Uh, Number five for me, we're going to go out to Pitt and Pat Narduzzi. And this is a guy who has been bowl eligible in all but one of his seven seasons with the Panthers. And I look at Pitt and I always think of a couple of things. You think of the running game that they have and you think of what they do defensively. And in this league, if you can put together a good defense, you're probably going to be in bowl conversation year after year after year. And even though we haven't really seen the boom out of Pat Narduzzi, I love the consistency. Like you can look at some of these coaches in the ACC, Dino Babers, who we've brought up, Dave Cutcliffe, who uh, I'm sure we might talk about at some point. You see the booms out of them, but then you see the really lowest of the lows as well. That's paired with it. With Narduzzi, you know what you're going to get. It's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of six to eight wins every single season. And he's going to have a tough nosed defense and a good running game. It feels old school, but sometimes old school works. And in the case of Pat Narduzzi, that's why I've got him here at number five. And I also think quiet as his kept, he gets guys to where they're trying to go. We all know everyone's yes. in the NFL and had NFL. the most. Yeah, mm-hmm. the most in the ACC last season, which was a surprise because, you know, normally you think, okay, Clemson, right, you know, running off with that award. But, you know, Pitt being in that conversation without having one of the best seasons and still being able to have some of those dogs in there, that says a lot to me about what our Coach Narduzzi brings to the table. So I certainly – agree with that. I know a lot of people all week have definitely not had Narduzzi in the top five. So I am, I love, I feel like this list is going to be really exciting. So here we go. Number four, let me know. Number four, we're going to go out to Blacksburg, Virginia and put Justin Fuente up there. Wow. I know this, I think I saw someone had Fuente as number 14. Everybody has. (laughs) You cannot tell me that Justin Fuente (laughs) is a worse coach than there's a, yeah, is a worse coach than Dino Babers, Mm -hmm. Jeff Collins, David Cutcliffe, Manny Diaz, uh, Mike Norvell, Scott Satterfield. We can start having the conversations with, with Halfley and Doran and Clawson, but I just rattled off their six guys that you physically cannot put Justin Fuente behind. Wow. And you look at what he's done at Virginia Tech. He's had three eight-plus win seasons. 
He gets guys to the NFL. He's got 17 guys in his short Virginia Tech tenure that have gone on to the NFL. You know how many David Cutcliffe has produced in his nine years at the, or in his 14 years at the helm at Duke? I just kind of gave it away. It's nine. He's got nine guys to the NFL in a recruiting hotbed of college football. I think Justin Fuente, I hear his name on the hot seat year after year. Listen, as someone who roots for Syracuse, I'd love to have Justin Fuente. He knows how to develop NFL talent. He knows how to get NFL talent into his school. And when you're getting the results on the field, I know you've had some, some blips where it's not the, the eight win standard, but he's done a very good job in my opinion of getting guys to the next level and producing at the college level as well. Man, this is really making me excited because when I tell you getting gives out the gate was like, absolutely not. He does not believe that coach Fuente can coach anybody's exes and those or AJ black who would literally spend a whole entire episode about why he's anti coach Fuente. And here you are, he's in your top five. I love this. This is why this is why we should have had a, I should have had a whole round table for you guys to sound <laughs> off. But I do think that coach Cutcliffe has hardest because I mean, it's Duke education at the end of the day. That's my only thing about Duke football. It's like, can guys actually be there and be successful on and off the field? Right. So I think that's his hiccup, but I, I agree. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, you do want to get guys to the professional rankings. But Coach Fuente, to me, when you talk about Virginia Tech and what they've meant to the ACC, right, they have dominated for several years. It used to be Virginia Tech and everybody else, the same way we talk about Clemson. I don't think Fuente has, you know, given them the opportunity to be that yet. Now, can he be that guy? A lot of people say no, but you're sitting sitting here trying to tell me that he certainly can make the playmakers. Now, can he make playmakers or can he bring the team to where they need to be atop of the coastal and eventually top of the ACC. Well, I think when you, whenever you look at the, the coastal, it's always been that revolving door of who is the talk of the town in, in a certain year. And right out of the gate, when they had that, I mean, mm-hmm. you look at where, where they finished in the AP polls, those first couple of years, top 25 team and, and pretty much every season that he's been at Virginia tech, he's gotten them into the top 25 in a conference that, has not really valued football a whole heck of a lot outside of Clemson. Now, I do think that narrative is going to change with Jim Phillips at the helm of the ACC now over John Swafford. But mm-hmm. th- this has been one of your models of consistency, I think, in the conference. I know there's been some rough patches here or there. There's a 500 season mixed in there. But right out of the gate, 10 and 4. Follow that up with 9 and 4. And that 10 and 4 season obviously means you played in the ACC championship game as well. Uh, an 8 and 5 back in 2019. I'm not going to put a lot of stock in a 2020 season where mm. you went five and six. And if I'm remembering correctly, Caleb Farley dealing with injuries and didn't play a whole heck of a lot. So mm-hmm. you, you've got all these, he, he's been able to do it year after year after year. He obviously had some success at Memphis as well. Once he figured things out there. So I, I just don't understand the Justin Fuente hate. I, I really don't. <laughs> there are, I'm not lying. When I said there's a lot of, mediocre to bad coaches in the ACC. Yeah. And Justin Fuente just is not one of them. Oh my gracious. I love this. It's going to be the best episode yet. Here we go, man. All right. I got to get the top three in here after I talk to you guys a little bit about sweat block. Listen, this is doctor created, doctor recommended works for up to seven days per use. If you are tired of sweating, you know, it's excessive. Your shirt is guaranteed to stay dry. 
If it doesn't keep you dry, they'll certainly give you your money back. Featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by Firefighters. It's a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 13,000 reviews. What you wear, what you want to wear, your secret will, your little secret to confidence is right here with Sweat Block. This is a must have for everyone's toiletry bag. Whether it's a big presentation or a hot day, everyone can benefit. All right. So make sure you guys go to sweatblock.com. There it is. Give it today for 20% off. Use promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. Speaking with Tyler Aki of Locked On Syracuse today, and he's got the spiciest coaches ranking yet. Got the top three that we're waiting on. And number three, here we go. Tyler, let me know who you have sitting in this spot. All right. Well, the spice is probably going down after this <laughs> as I get into the top three, but I'm going to go with Bronco Mendenhall okay. from Virginia. He, listen, this is a guy who came in, took over a Virginia program that was two and 10. And then just after that, ripped off three straight bowls and, and even went to the ACC championship game. That doesn't happen. It right. really in college football and, and for him to be able to spin that program around and uh, it, listen, they're not in the Atlantic, but if they were in the Atlantic, they would probably be the team that perennially is picked second because of uh, obviously the, the big hurdle that is Clemson, but they're the team that I feel like has been consistently good in the coastal the past couple of seasons and Bronco Mendenhall is a big reason why that's mm-hmm. happened. So I, I always, I don't think of Virginia as this football powerhouse. Obviously they're, they're more basketball inclined as a, as a school and as a program, but the way that Bronco Mendenhall has kind of had them hang around to that degree, because you look at some of these other quote unquote basketball schools in the Mm -hmm. ACC, right? North Carolina, things obviously are different with Mac Brown, but before that it was not a a pleasant experience, North Carolina football, (laughs) Syracuse, you literally just want the football team to get you to basketball season. You're asking for six good weeks out of them. And it, it almost never happens. Mm-hmm. I think a Duke Duke is not a fun experience either. Um, <laughs> so you've got all these different basketball, quote unquote, basketball schools. And I feel like Virginia is perennially the best of them. And th- there's history there, whether it's the barbers and being the number one team in the country for a little bit back then. Um, but I, I've got Bronco Mendenhall as my number three. I, and Virginia obviously has the, the cushion of playing in the Coastal, but they take advantage of it, it feels like. A hundred percent. And I would say even 2020 was an off year for them because even when you saw flashes of goodness by like losses, I think they only won two games last year. If When Coach Mendenhall was talking about the progression that he's made with this team, it's definitely nothing to sleep at. He's taken, you know, Bryce Perkins made him an NFL type quarterback who potentially could be on somebody's practice squad. Right. And you just had guys who are certainly going to make names for themselves. I believe, I don't know if Brendan Armstrong is going to be that guy, but it's definitely a quarterback heavy conference. Right. But he still does enough and maintains enough. So Bronco Mendenhall to me is one of those leaders where the consistency is why, you know, he'll have that longevity and be there as long as he wants to, because you have a point like as a basketball school, it's like, as long as you're having fun with it, as long as the football team gets, gets a couple good wins out of there and has a couple upsets. But when it comes to beating Virginia Tech, I think that's the like marker, right? It's one of some, there those type of schools where it's like, okay, there's only a couple games where you have to consistently win or make it at least be a dog fight. And I certainly think that's one of them. And 
I honestly think that's why Coach Fuente might be on the chopping block because if you can't beat Virginia, then it's like, okay, <laughs> let's have a yeah. conversation about it for real. Right. And, and I just look at, uh, I mean, what Bronco Mendenhall did, uh, and I took this into a little bit of consideration when I did some of these rankings, but look at the success that he had at BYU. Mm-hmm. And even though BYU is not some big name power five school, it's still a school that I think has respect across the nation as yeah. as this group of five sort of school. I mean, just look at this past NFL draft. He had the number two overall pick out of BYU and the success that he had there. It was perennially eight to nine wins and you'd had double digit win seasons a number of years. You're cracking the top 10 in the AP poll. And I'm almost surprised that he was at BYU for as long as he was. I mean, you look at this stretch that he put together from 06 to 2009, and he's perennially getting you double-digit wins. He's going and winning bowl games. He's getting into the top 10. I, I just don't understand, honestly, why it took so long for him to get where he is now. Yeah, I think some people are like, when you go to a culture that you truly enjoy, you kind of just stick it out a little bit. I mean, not everybody's uh, let me get to the top kind of coach. And maybe that was his you know, scenario. Maybe he just truly enjoyed the culture there. And then eventually there was a job that he couldn't pass up in Virginia. Yeah. To me, it gives you a little bit of that BYU where they're very much, you know, academically sound and all the other you know stuff that goes with certain universities. And I think maybe that's just where he was like, okay, I can give this the, you know, the good old college try in that regard, but we got to get to the top two. I need to know who they are. I feel like they're going to be the same as everybody else, but you never know. And you might have better reasoning as to why you pick these guys. Okay. But that's fine. (laughs) First here though, if you are going to bet on college football this fall, I strongly suggest you hit a bet online. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all sports action. You can hit up betonline.ag as you prepare for the season. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs before the season starts. I strongly encourage you to get on that laptop or mobile device and check out all of the sign-up bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines. This is your chance to get into the game this fall. There's so much good stuff to see, a lot of good things coming out of our conference. Head to that website today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts, and you can use promo code LOCKEDON. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their new, easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Please visit rockauto.com. Tyler Aki joining the show from Locked On Syracuse. He is telling me his top two ACC coaches, and I feel like I know who they are, but I always give people an opportunity to convince me why you have Mac Brown sitting at number two, correct? That is correct. Uh, so with Matt <laughs> Brown, I mean, it's one of those things where if he had been in the conference now for what, five, seven years, mm-hmm. he might be number one, but it's, it's just the, the novelty factor, the newness of it all that has them at number two. And the fact that, well, he hasn't won a national championship as a member in the ACC in, in this mm-hmm. new era of ACC football. So I, I've got Mac Brown at number two. It's super impressive what he's done at North Carolina. And 
I talk a lot about the resources that different universities have. North yeah. Carolina has a ton of them, whether it's the recruiting hotbed that is North Carolina and that that Southeast region that he's in right there and the Jumpman logo that he gets to sell to these recruits and all that stuff. There's no one that's taken advantage of that more than Mac Brown. I mean, the overhaul that he has done there. And guess what? We're seeing North Carolina get better and better. It's going to be the year three, four, five of Mac Brown that really brings it to the light of how good he is as a college football coach and why North Carolina fans should be excited. It's almost one of those things where you have to enjoy it in the moment because Mm -hmm. it's not something that is necessarily going to last very long because of (laughs) his age and all that stuff. But it's something that it's going to give a nice little spark to this UNC football program. And hopefully whoever does succeed Mac Brown has the ability to carry on whatever tradition he builds for these, these last couple of seasons, because what he's done in the turnaround is one of the more remarkable things, not just in the ACC, but really in the entire sport of college football is turning around this UNC team. A hundred percent. And listen, I really believe he's the floor general. He doesn't do much X's and O's these days. So I'm interested to see if he is grooming somebody kind of the same way Roy Williams was grooming Hubert Davis, right? If you're putting UNC in a position to where when you do leave, there isn't this big drop off. We can keep this ball rolling. Do I feel like the national championship is in Carolina's bag? I don't know. Right. I think if this, if this were any time, it was going to be Sam Howell. Cause I don't, you know, Drake may is good. Luke may's little brother, but is he a Sam Howell? We have yet to determine that. Right. So has he created some guys that probably wouldn't have had the opportunity otherwise? You know, I think it definitely helps when you have a Mac Brown in your corner going to bat for you. And we all know this game is a little bit of politics as well. So I think that, you know, he certainly has helped carry and take Carolina to the next level and kind of bring brought a lot of energy out for people. But when it comes to just overall, you know, will he win a national championship so he can be the number one coach in the ACC? <sighs> Unfortunately, I just don't see that for Carolina, but I would love to be wrong, right? <laughs> Personally, I would love to be wrong about that, but I just don't see it. Listen, the fact that you can take Carolina, a team who a couple of years ago, their head coach was saying the demise of college football will be the demise of this country <laughs> to now spin this program around to the fact that they could be in the college football playoff conversation this year. Yeah. It's not that far fetched to, to go out and say that. And not just that, but they're going to have one of the Heisman favorites on their roster as well. Mm-hmm. You don't turn that around that quickly without superb coaching. And you also don't usually have the luck that falls in your lap of going from Larry Fedora to one of the most respected guys in the entire sports history. So I I look at UNC. I think they hit a home run higher when they got Mac Brown. The remarriage, I guess you could say, made a lot of sense for both of, of the parties as well. And hey, if you're Mac Brown, I mean, living in Chapel Hill. To, to close out on the back nine of, of your career. <laughs> that's one heck of a lifestyle right there. A hundred percent. The irony of, you know, Larry Fedora and the Jordans conversation and the team getting in trouble selling their Jordans to now where Mac Brown has TikTok of his drip and what he's wearing. And we all talk about his Jordan shoes every single day. The way they have changed that narrative is just it really speaks to who Mac Brown is. Right. So I'm a hundred percent in agreement there. And again, I hope he, I hope he can bring us something before he goes, because I'm not, trying to rush him out the door and he's about to turn 70, but we all know he's got about like five good ones before we're having conversation and we're yelling at like, Oh, who, who shouldn't be here? Blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I gotta say, no, go ahead. Even though he's retired now, but 
the Mac Brown, Roy Williams may be the best like old coach one, two combo in America. For sure. When it, when it was in, in effect, it, I'm trying to think of where else you, you'd get that because you got to get the, the elder statesmen at, at both the football <laughs> and the basketball program, but the one, two punch of Mac Brown and Roy Williams, I don't think it could have been top. No, listen, the wisdom that you just because they've seen greatness at so many levels, it's hard to really top that at all. So I 100 percent agree. But you do have somebody sitting at the number one spot when it comes to AC coaches. So I would love to know why you have Dabo Sweeney sitting there and, you know, convince me why we should you know continue to ride this Clemson train. So, it, I mean, what he does with Clemson, it, this is the anyone who has anything different here. <laughs> is just posturing. It's posturing. I mean, mm-hmm. what Dabo Sweeney has done at Clemson, getting them to national championships and really carrying the respect of the entire conference year after year. He's got the hardest job in America, I think, because he has to make sure those guys are mentally ready every single game. Yeah. Because if you trip up once, you could ruin your season. For and sure. it, when you're Alabama, you could say, oh, well, doesn't Nick Saban have the same thing at Alabama? I think those kids understand what they're going up against every single year. We're probably, until this format expands to eight or 12 teams, we're probably not going to see much of a, a contention in the ACC for a college football playoff spot. I mean, UNC might hang around here, and I guess this past season you could throw Notre Dame's name into the hat as well, but I look at at what Dabo Sweeney has to get his team ready for every single week, because every single week, not only are they going to be a favorite, but they're going to be at a minimum, a three touchdown favorite every single week in ACC play. And to have guys have the, the mental wherewithal to lock in every single game. It's not like you're in the sec where you're going up against Georgia and Texas A&M and, and, and LSU and some of those other schools week in and week out. This is a, totally different job. This is making sure your guys are locked in and don't look ahead to the college football playoff, to the ACC championship game. And and the fact that Dabo Sweeney has done it with this team year after year after year and gotten them to national championships and played in championship games and seems like the, the biggest lock every single year to get to the college football playoff because of the conference that they play in is to me one of the more impressive jobs of any coach that has been put forth in, a, in the entire country. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. I'm not even going to debate you here because, you know, as much as I want my coach to top, we have not yet done it and it will be a hundred percent posturing, but maybe we just have a different kind of criteria. So I should have done, have the criteria based on who you actually like. And that's not necessarily who the X's knows and who we completely cannot say no to, but Dabo's there and it's his kingdom. And we're all just living in it right now in the ACC. But I do think this is a year where Clemson does not have guaranteed spots the same way they used to. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I definitely think it's a little more open. And I I honestly enjoy that better because there are a lot of guys who need those opportunities and can, I mean, who doesn't want to say they took down the big old beast of Clemson? Right. And this could be the year where you're going to see what Dabo Sweeney can do when, okay, he's done it with the, the X on his back now, but, when you've got the X on your back and you've got Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne leading the way for you, it's a little bit easier to carry that burden. But now what do you do when, when everyone's a lot younger? And we, we could see this season one of Dabo Sweeney's best, if not his best, overall coaching job 
Yeah. If he does get this Clemson team back to the national championship game and continues to power through the ACC, even though the competition playing field has leveled off a little bit. It was certain, certainly cement some greatness. Well, Tyler, I appreciate your time. You always bring that wisdom and insight. And before you go, I would love to know if you think a real alliance is going to occur between the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC. I almost think it has to. And, <laughs> really? And, and, and guess what? I, I fully welcome it because okay. I, I feel like, remember when, when soccer over the summer, earlier in the summer, was talking mm-hmm. about the Super League? and all mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. I feel like I was on Super League Island where I was <laughs> pro Super League. And maybe it's because I'm not a big soccer fan at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched the, the Euros and all that stuff, but I don't wake up early in the morning to watch my Premier League. And yeah. and, and I, I don't have a Peacock subscription or whatever the, the Premier League is on now these days. But I was on Super League Island and I wanted to see it because who is against having the best of the best get together every single year? And, and I look at it as if you've got that Alliance in the, basically the non sec Alliance, the sec is going to, I mean, I don't think that they're done. All right. They, they've added Texas. They've added Oklahoma. I don't think they're done. I think mm-hmm. you could see them pick off a couple of teams here and there from the ACC, the big 10, maybe even the PAC 12 and form the super league. But I feel like this would be cool because it almost does what we see in sports right now. Mm-hmm. And that is you've got the East coast, the Eastern conference, the Western conference in basketball, you've got the AFC and the NFC in football, the AL, the NL and baseball. Um, so I feel like it would almost create that sort of dynamic. And then you get the winner from the, the mega Alliance and the, the winner of the sec and you pit them up against each other. And you've got almost this secondary professional sports league that is going to attract a ton of eyeballs. And who knows, maybe you could even do it like the, uh, the Premier League does. And you have like the relegation with it and mm-hmm. you incorporate the, the, the group of five that way. And maybe it doesn't necessarily become legitimate relegation, but it almost has that relegation feel to it where, oh, this group of five team is so good that it it elevates itself and and plays against better competition and doesn't have that group of five feel to it, even though they, they have that, uh, that group of five schedule and maybe the, the group of five cash flow. at the end of the day, it, the Alliance is happening for one reason, one reason only, and it's football. Yeah. And what did Jim Phillips say at the ACC media day? Yeah. Football's first. And that's the way it should be. That's the way it should have been for years. I get that the the triangle loves them some some ACC basketball, <laughs> but listen, this is this is a football world that we live in, and if you're not exploiting that, then you're going to get left behind. And, and I don't want to see the ACC get left behind. And and this is one of the best ways to do it is by joining powers with the Big Ten, with the Pac-12. And I, I would love to see it because I would love to see some of these new matchups arise as well. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons for me that it works well now is because of the NIL deal, so it doesn't feel like you're exploiting the kids, right? There's now an right. opportunity for people to make money, and so it doesn't just seem like you're continuing you know, years long of just making guys move and shift and do whatever they have to do and then get nothing out of the deal. So if you're going to have all these big wig opportunities to play these big conferences for maybe whatever, call it certain leagues or whatever have you, I think now that, you know, kids can start, finally get a piece of their own pie, it's, 
less of a we're pretty much having you know indentured servitude here right so like there's a little a little more incentive to it so i agree i think it's something that they should explore but you know i'm all for just keeping tradition but i'm also one of those get off my lawn people at some point so you know i'm just it's just it's an adjustment (laughs) i I'm, i'm struggling to adjust to things and i that I mean, that happened for me with Roy Williams. Like, it's just nostalgia. You're just used to the same classic rivalries, the memories and all that good stuff. But that's why we have change. And I, sometimes that's a good thing. And I look at it, too, as, okay, TV-wise, you're going to get slaughtered by the mm-hmm. SEC. Because mm-hmm. if, if the matchups that you get to roll out every single Saturday night in the SEC, Texas, Alabama, two of the most <laughs> rabid fan bases, Oklahoma, LSU, yeah, Florida, and Texas. I mean, you're not going to stand a chance. You're never going to get the eyeballs that you want on the games. And when you've got conferences like the Big Ten who kick themselves every single year with this big noon BS, <laughs> I mean, it, it that literally drove Oklahoma out of the conference, yeah. out of the Big 12. And yeah. that, that, that is why this needs to happen because you need to have attractive matchups. And what happens when you get an Ohio State Clemson in week eight? I mean, that, that would be awesome. That right. would be awesome. And, and you need that sort of stuff if you want to continue to compete against the SEC for eyeballs. I, I think of it this way, too. When you look at uh, lacrosse, Johns Hopkins is a D3 team mm-hmm. in almost every single sport. But for lacrosse, they're D1. And that is called acclimating to what your level of play is. And and I I just don't understand why, if you are the ACC, why you don't find this to be beneficial. If you're the big 10, if you're the PAC 12, I mean, this needs to happen because it almost would have that effect of look at what, um, look at what Johns Hopkins does academically, right? Like they could never compete in football or or any of those other sports, but they understand what they are and they play in, in the big 10 for, for lacrosse. And that's kind of like the super league little relegation here where, okay, like BYU, you might not be good enough to compete with us in basketball, but for football, we'd love your eyeballs and you can play with us for football and you can schedule games against us in football. That to me would be extremely important to have. And if you are creating this quote unquote super league, you can still include these group of five teams that can compete with you in certain sports. Obviously Gonzaga, they're not going to be able to compete with you in football, but they can compete with you in basketball, obviously. Uh, so I would 100%. love to see the, this this whole thing play out. I think it would be really good for college sports. No doubt. Well, Tyler, again, it's always a great pleasure to have you on. Can you please remind folks of where they can find you and follow your work? Yeah, you can catch us uh, on Locked on Syracuse every single weekday, Monday to Friday. And Tim and I are getting ready, ramping up the football season there. You can follow <laughs> us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse and myself at Tyler, AKI underscore. No doubt. Well, for Candace Cooper and Tyler Aki, we hope you guys have a great rest of your week and we are ready for Freestyle Friday with Jersey Drake. So we'll see you back here tomorrow. Betting on the ACC doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, and wrong team favored picks and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked on Bet podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. 
You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 